welcome back to Pew Babies, your apostolic young adult podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Mike. And blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, oh what, what a, a fortress. What? A fourth? Well, is it? Oh, oh, what a far. I thought it was a foretaste. <laughs> Poor taste. It's a pre-taste of glory before we get to heaven. Oh, Lord. That See, just goes to show you. Books. <laughs> we do. Oh, my God. We do. So how was your week, Mike? How's everything in 2023 2023 has been low-key ghetto already um it really has yeah i made a post on facebook was like mom dad i'm ready to stay in a child's place because adulting (laughs) is definitely a zero out of five stars like i just would not recommend so you know what it hasn't been like the worst it's just been interesting to say the least how about yours it was good i had my nieces and nephew last week so i was a single mother of three Nice. How did it feel? What did you say 2023 was? Get Okay. All right. <laughs> we had a good time, but my Lord. And then these pandemic, these kids, I don't know how y'all parents are doing it. God bless. God bless. So I did have an opener for this week, some church controversy. We'll start off with this one. Let's say that one of your church members gives you a call and they tell you something that was very personal, very private, but it was kind of like alarming, right? Do you keep it a secret and just pray about it? Or do you feel like you should inform your pastor? Hmm. This is my philosophy. As long as it has nothing to do with them harming themselves or harming someone else, pray about it especially if they came to me in confidence. And it depends on how alarming are we talking, but if it's not anything where they're going to take their own life or if it's something like they're about to get put out their house or something mm-hmm. or they're in foreclosure, if I lose a car, probably what I'm going to do first is see how I can help before it gets to the pastor or anything like that. And then if I have to go to anybody else, I'm probably going to try to go to the passenger and say, hey, there's a saint in need that could use some help. You know, they don't want anyone to know, but I came to you on their behalf something like that i've always been a person that first of all stay out the pastor's office but two you tell me something my best bet is i'm gonna pray about it no i agree I've never been a person to be in the pastor's office. <laughs> and I'm trying to now that I'm an adult, trying to build a relationship with my pastor a little bit more mm-hmm. and not be so awkward. But I think, yeah, my first instinct would be to keep it to myself and pray. And hopefully God will reveal, or even if it's super alarming, kind of while I'm encouraging my friend, tell them, hey, maybe you should talk to the pastor about it. He can give you some good advice, but allow right. them to get to that place. I just feel like it's not my place to share somebody's business exactly now like you say it's them trying to harm themselves or something like that the pastor might get involved might need some special services to get involved you know some certain things i can't handle on my own and i mean obviously that's why we give it to god in prayer but for the most part i would just leave stuff confidential that's just my thought all right next church controversy how do you convey that you're fasting and i feel like there's a right answer to this i mean because i was taught that you never announce or tell anybody you fast that's why like when people get on facebook and put up there that they're gonna be closing their facebook for you know a certain amount of days because they're gonna be on a fast i'll be like well you defeated the purpose but anyway um, (laughs) but i don't think that you convey that 
to anyone. I just don't. I don't think that you should convey that to anyone that you are fasting. Like someone even offers you something to eat. Because I have a coworker, I had a coworker, for example, that Wednesdays was her fast days. And sometimes she would slip up and be like, we would have food trucks outside, right? Mm -hmm. And here I go. I'm marching my tail to get like $30 worth of food because I am fat. And she'd be like, oh my gosh. She's like, I can't go out there, Mike. She was like, I forgot today my fast day. You know, so cases like that, I don't think that's harmful. I don't think she meant it to be like, well, I'm fasting, but I think it's, oh my God, like I forgot. But I just don't think that's something that you should broadcast because it's personal. So even if I'm fasting, somebody offers me something and be like, oh, I'm not hungry. You know, I'm doing my own thing today, you know. Yeah, being full is an answer. Or no is a response. Like, I think the correct answer is there is no way to convey because you shouldn't tell folks. (laughs) And I was watching a video by not Carlton Banks and he was talking about how somebody was like, put it away, we're fasting. Like, the church on a fast, the church on a fast. And it's just funny because I just feel like a lot of people, they just forgotten that part about the public glory versus doing it in private. And, you know. Well, let me ask you this while we're on the subject. Yeah. Now, growing up, I just recently heard of a Daniel fast, maybe in the last... 10 or 11 years because mm-hmm. what I was used to was the absolute fast growing up you know you didn't eat from when you got up till six o'clock right right how do we feel about the Daniel fast versus there are some fasts you do where there's one meal a day because I know I've seen churches they give you an option you can do a Daniel fast you can do an absolute fast until after six or you can do like every other day I've seen churches do it different like how do we feel about that we know that Daniel did fast based off the scripture mm-hmm. but to me a true fast because <laughs> growing up we used to do the three days three days no food only water oh my god you know or we'll do consecration we call it consecration what we do mm. from sun up to five or six so you will only eat one meal a day but the daniel fast is good like it's a form of discipline but i think it needs to be done in combination with other stuff. Like if that's the most that we get in the fast, I don't know. I think we need to dig a little deeper. Even with social media, yeah, the social media fast is good, but are you filling it with television? Are you filling it with more food? Like what are we filling it with that's actually killing the flesh? Because I could do a Facebook fast all I want, but I might end up on TikTok right. or keep refreshing <laughs> my email. I don't, yeah. you, know, you get so bored that you just start refreshing. What's email? on sale? What look, what <laughs> right. what Belk sent me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, so I think the cold turkey fast are what really like will shock you. What do you think? So I have mixed feelings. I try to be open minded these days. I realize the older I get, while I am liberal on certain things, I'm still very much so classical and old school Pentecostal, mm-hmm. apostolic. Well, you know, so here's my thing. Growing up, we did the absolute fast. When you got up, you fasted until six o'clock and then you could eat after that, which was normally like one meal a day because that's when people would be eating dinner anyway right they would say people that were sick on meds you know you try to do the best you can but it wasn't until as i got in my 20s i'd heard of people doing a daniel fast a church i attended in college they did a daniel fast and it was kind of tough because i was like i'd rather be on the absolute fast and even i want to (laughs) 
because some people and here's the thing because we live in a era where people actually are vegans and right. are practicing vegetarians and stuff like that that's their regular diet anyway so what are you sacrificing I think for me I'd rather not be policed on what I can eat just let me be an absolute fast and at six o'clock let me eat what I want to eat but I don't knock anybody that does like the Daniel fast because some people you know struggle with things like soda and sugar and right. meat and so that might be a sacrifice for a lot of people but like you you know if you tell me go on a social media fast I easily can because I absolutely hate Facebook you know the only reason I have Facebook is because I have a business but I hate Facebook mm. so I can easily do a social media fast but I would probably be filling that time with like Netflix or Hulu or something like that I mean in some ways the Daniel fast is a lot harder I couldn't imagine actually eating and you could only eat salad <laughs> like and vegetables it would be a lot and I mean Daniel talked about it did wonders for his skin and his complexion and detoxing and stuff but yeah I think if you're gonna do the Daniel fast also challenge yourself this year to do an absolute I need to challenge myself this year to do absolute so last controversy before we move on should the saints have new year's resolutions I don't think nobody <laughs> should have New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah. I think we should just set goals for ourselves. Like, we're going to lose X amount of weight this year. I'm going to set a goal to read my Bible more, to, you know, pray more, to get more involved in ministry this year. I don't think we should make New Year's resolutions. Because it kind of gets a little oathy, you know what I mean? Making promises or stuff that you know you probably won't be able to keep. But I say, let's set a goal. Like, and if we don't hit that goal, hey, we'll set it for the next year. But let's set some healthy goals so we could just be better people. If that makes sense. I agree with that. I definitely believe setting goals. And New Year's a good time to do it. This feels like a refresh. It's that ultimate Monday. <laughs> you know, we always, I'm going to wait till Monday. I'm going to wait till Monday. It's the ultimate Monday. The ultimate Monday. <laughs> so like, I've been realizing within this past couple of months, if you don't have any type of purpose at all or no type of goals to like strive towards, life can be really stressful. So mm-hmm. it's good to have something to look forward to and to work towards. Well, that is our church controversy. Mike, do you have any church announcements? I do. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shalom, shalom. Not shalom. (laughs) (laughs) What? The saints. Grace and peace. (laughs) Holy (laughs) greetings. Whatever your salutation may be, we say praise the Lord to you, you, and even you back there over there. We just want to welcome you into the Pew Babies podcast, your apostolic millennial podcast. And we just want to say, you know, we're back. We're still here to stay. We had to take a break y'all we was in the streets you know in a good way (laughs) we was just um but we're we're so glad to be here um again and if this podcast has been a blessing to you we ask that you please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast whether it's apple podcast stitcher google podcast wherever you get your podcast please subscribe like and share share with a co-worker friend loved one and actually i just want to shout out a few people that just started listening to the podcast I was on Twitter and I was sharing my podcast with someone on Twitter. Just shout out to people that just started listening to the podcast. I've been sharing it with people. So please share it. And if it's been a blessing to you, you know, continue to listen to us and hopefully we can encourage you along the way. We're going to jump into our announcement. Our first announcement post says, can Christians go to hell? Hmm. Something to ponder, right? 
Is it possible for a Christian to be in front of God at the judgment and be told they were going to hell? Christian YouTube influencer Alan Parr seems to think so. In his latest viral video release, Parr said to imagine if you were in front of Jesus and he said he never knew you and to leave his presence. Could that situation actually happen? Many people who profess to be Christians will sadly spend eternity apart from God. Unfortunately, the bar has been lowered as to what a disciple of Jesus truly looks like. In the video, Parr takes a New Testament passage of scripture and explains what Jesus requires of anyone who says they want to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm not a scholar, but Christians do not go to hell. By Christian, I mean those who put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, for reconciliation with God. If your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will go to hell. We get eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ. And this is something that was written by the person that wrote this article. What are our thoughts here? I think I agree with the sentiment of if you are actually a true Christian, and if you're actually truly Christ-like, that hell is not an option for you. And that's not to say that people who didn't believe or consistently even now still believe in Christ won't go to hell. That's not true. I think there's going to be a lot of us who attend church, do so regularly and read the Bible and all this stuff, who are still going to end up in hell because we're not becoming Christ-like. So I think I agree with the poster and that to be a true Christian and going back to the definition of a true Christian, truly Christ-like, no, hell is not an option for you. It cannot be because of who you're trying to replicate and resemble and your values that you have and your beliefs. I agree that if you are a true believer in Christ Jesus and follow his commands and follow what his word has instructed us to do and how to live, I don't Think hell will be your portion. I agree with Ron in the sense there's a lot of people that's going to go to church and we know there's going to be people that's going to get up there and say, you know, I cast out demons in your name. I preached in your name and stuff right. like that. And the Lord is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So there's a lot of people that go to church now that we sit beside at church all the time, but they have not necessarily taken on all the biblical principles that are laid out there. They're eating some of it, but have not eaten all of it. And so if we don't change those things, if we don't put those principles into play in our life then you know we will end up in hell then will we be able to really say you know was i a christian because christian is christ-like the base word in christian is christ so i agree with the poster in in that regard you know that a true christian is not going to go to hell yeah i'm pushing the envelope a little bit further for those of us who are really striving to please christ we shouldn't be so focused on hell that is not what we should be focused on instead of focusing on the negative we should focus on the positive if the only reason why you're following christ is so so that you don't go to hell i think that's problematic in itself and i think that it's better to be like well i want to be like jesus <laughs> you know what i mean so let's focus on the success of i want to make heaven i want to be more like christ i want to lead people to christ instead of i just want to escape hell because if that's all you're doing this for then it's likely you're going to miss the mark it really is this next article says fired baptist nurse sues cvs after refusing to do her job mm. the poster says ain't nothing to see here this is what happens when you don't do your job you get fired Ooh. a quote-unquote christian nurse practitioner has filed a lawsuit against cvs accusing the company of firing her for refusing to prescribe abortion inducing drugs due to her sincerely held religious beliefs and according to an article on christianity today the article says a christian nurse practitioner is accusing cvs pharmacy of firing her for refusing to prescribe birth control pills and abortion medicine after a Accommodating Robin for six and a half years without a single complaint, CBS fired her because it simply did not like her pro-life religion. 
religious beliefs, said one of her attorneys. And there's more to read in the article if you want to visit ChristianityToday.com. Ooh, this is a loaded question. We kind of talked about this in our apostolic work episode, but I still don't have a good answer for this because there are times when your beliefs go against your profession and you have to be able to choose whether you're going to stand on them or you're going to go into your profession and do your job. Like the poster said, as a nurse, your job is to assist in what people need. And if it goes against your belief system and you get fired from it, I don't know if we should be upset about that. Like, okay, that's the risk I took by taking my stand. You know, everything we do has a consequence. And so if I am going to stand before Christ or stand on my views, then that is your consequence. And whether it feels like you're suffering persecution or whatever, I mean, that's what you called for because you could have just did your job, but you didn't. So, and if you can't do your job, then they don't have no reason to have you unless she's going to start her own nursing practitioner business. I think that's why it's different from a situation where entrepreneur is servicing, whether they should make a cake for a gay couple for their wedding or something like that. You know what I mean? I feel like when you own your own business, you have a little bit more leeway on who you have of a customer. But when you don't have that type of power over the type of people who come in, I think it's a little bit more of a challenge. No, I certainly agree with everything that you said. I think for me, you knew what you were taking on when you worked at CVS. All kinds of people come in CVS. It's a pharmacy. People are going to come in there, birth control, pills, for all kinds of things they need in order to maintain their own health, which whatever that looks like. Right. I think for me, there's nothing wrong with taking a stand. But like you said, you have to realize what those consequences are going to be. And it looked like from the article that CVS might have tolerated it for a little while before oh, they wow. just finally said that, you know, enough is enough. But but my thing is, should we feel sorry for you? Not really. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to open your own Christian-based pharmacy, whatever. And, you know, if you want to outlaw birth control pills and stuff like that, I don't know how you're going to get around doing that, you know, with a lot of the medical laws and stuff that's out here. But good luck. I would say this is your opportunity to maybe try your own thing. But you knew what you were signing up for when you signed up to be a nurse practitioner at CVS. You're denying somebody access to whatever kind of healthcare they need because of your beliefs. That's fine. Stand up in it, but also realize that you might not have a job at the end of the day. And if you're okay with that, then hey. So that raised two points for me. First, I also think if we're making a stand, it should be equivalent, right? So are you also denying people who have STDs their medicine? Because are you against premarital sex? Or do you know what I mean? Like, are we also taking a stand on those things? That's one. And then two, I think it's interesting that they allowed her to do it and stand on her principles. And then honestly, I think that's what makes this kind of a worse situation because if you knew what I stood for and you allowed me to get away with it why this time or bring somebody else in you know I don't feel comfortable prescribing it why didn't you bring another nurse in or ask them to come back you know what I mean so I think that makes me kind of look at things a little bit differently because if your place of business knows what you stand for if they knew that this is your prayer time this is your whatever time and then all of a sudden they change in what they do or they like actually this is the last straw it's kind of like then why did you give me an accommodation before so that was an interesting fact. I think it's very true to examine that. But again, you do what you want to do in your own business, but when you're working for a corporate entity like CVS and things like that, you got to make a choice. Just like the woman from Pentecostal organization that was working in 2015. Mm -hmm. She was working for the court. She was the one that I think signed off on the marriage certificates or something like that. Right. This was when we first was introduced to same-sex marriage in the United States. And so I think her state was one of the first states to do it. She just refused to sign 
and this marriage certificate. And so I remember a lot of people saying, well, I applaud her for taking a stand and stuff. Yeah, cool. You took a stand, but you also just lost your salary and don't expect us to feel sorry for you for not doing your job that you signed up to do. You know, take your stand. Yes. But also don't go out here broadcasting on the news that, oh, well, I just lost my job because yeah, you lost your job because you weren't doing your job. And if I was your boss, if I was your manager, it wouldn't come down to what you believe in. It comes down to what did your job description say the day I hired you? And you missed one of the check marks that you continuously missed it. And so I can't have you working here, but I applied your beliefs outside of here. That's interesting, Mike. The fact that as soon as something like that happens, it's like a lawsuit or they go to the news. Do you think people should, you know, like take your persecution and just sit down or should they be raising this? It goes back. If it's a private business and we examined the case about the cake, right? The small business that refused to make the cake for the same sex couple. Now, well, a small business, I mean, depending on the kind of community that supports your business. So if you have mainly Christians that support your business and these people were saying, you know, don't go to ABC Cakes because they didn't make a cake for my wedding, which was a same-sex wedding, then I might could see where you might go to the news or you might go publicly and you might get people that's in your corner to support you even more, right? Mm-hmm. But for like corporate entities and government entities like the courthouse, CVS, all these other places, it goes back to this like you expect going to court a law which has made a lot of these laws that tells you how to kind of do this and handle this and do this job you expect them to uphold you in this particular law because you refuse to do your job yeah it does not really make a lot of sense i'm not saying you should take it in silence like talk on it whatever but just don't expect people to feel sorry for you just don't expect people to rally behind you as fast because well i i, refer- I wasn't gonna, gonna sign this marriage license i wasn't gonna serve those folks at that table over there because it was a same-sex couple and blah 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 so i took my apron off and quit and you go to the news to maybe take it to the 700 club they care on there they but we don't that. care and we gonna look for someone to replace you that can get the job done because at the end of the day we gotta get a job done right i'm christian i have my beliefs on things as well but when it comes down to secular work and what you have to do in a job description like i would uphold that like hey you just decided not to do that i'm sorry like we have to sever this relationship here at this job whatever because you're not following what we mandate to do you can look at me however you want to but this is what we're asking you to do if you knew that you couldn't do that that should have been a conversation up front but mm-hmm. you know to just sit up here and make it a big deal like that like i kind of don't feel sorry for you you could have easily just yeah. taken that l somewhere else no i get that like i understand what you mean about the entrepreneurs and basically finding your base right mm-hmm. finding your customers that's going to support regardless whereas i could see if you were in a private sector job, a corporate job, and we're supposed to be doing something and you didn't follow through, it's kind of giving like Karen, like, let me throw a tantrum because yeah. you didn't do what I tell you to do. And now look at me, I've been canceled. And it's like, well, you know, that's the risk you took. You took a stand and that's fine. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I remember my last job, I had a lady working for me. And she didn't like the fact we had a couple of people that identified as trans women, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were using the women's facilities and things like that. And it made her uncomfortable, right? So I remember at that time I was not working in HR. I was working just as like a sales supervisor. And so I remember like going to HR, I was like, hey, how should I handle this? Because I don't want to tell her the wrong thing. And HR Mm -hmm. told me, she was just like, hey, we have single person bathrooms she can use up front. But if somebody identifies as a woman, they have every right to use that bathroom. 
You know, yeah. I had to tell the lady and she was kind of like, well, uh, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that. Blah, blah, blah. But what are you like? What are you going to do? Like you can go home and use the bathroom or you can use the single person bathrooms up front that accommodates you only. So you don't have to run into that situation. But unfortunately, we are an equal opportunity employer. So that means yeah. if anybody identifies as whatever, they have every chance to use those bathrooms. And I know it sounds kind of messed up, whatever, but that's just what it is, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's what they have to abide by by law. Very true. These announcements are wild this week. Mall of America, you got some explaining to do. Oh, Jesus. Title of this article. So it says, I've seen a viral clip up and down my timeline. Mall of America have a major lawsuit on his hands for this one. What do y'all think? A recently circulated video that has gone viral on social media shows a man wearing a neon green Jesus Saves t-shirt being ordered by a security guard to remove the shirt or leave the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The security guard at the nation's most famous shopping center can be heard in the video saying, if you want to shop here, you need to take off that shirt. According to the guard, the t-shirt was was offending other shoppers and that's when he gave the guy an ultimatum depending he follows his orders or else and i'm looking at the t-shirt what does it say so it does say jesus is the way or is my way but you know that coexist thing that people yeah it has that on the t-shirt but it has like crossed out okay people wear offensive shirts all the time i'm sorry people wear all kinds of things on their shirts and like it's a free country with freedom of speech and that is your way of expression so the whole thing about having to take off his shirt or leave is really crazy to me also don't they have the signs this is so petty but don't they have the signs was like no shoes no shirt no service like why would i take off my shirt i don't know i think somebody got all riled up about it and probably told the security guard and the security guard thought he was helping but this person has every right to wear the shirt they want to wear and and we got people who are Satanists to people who are saints. You know, it runs the gamut. And so even if they had coexist crossed out, it doesn't go against what I believe. So, Because it's one way. But mm-hmm. I will say this, public place, I should be able to wear whatever I want. I'm not bothering nobody. It's my freedom of speech to wear my shirt. So they should have left that man alone. I agree. They should have definitely left him alone. It's freedom of speech, right? Sounds like he may have a case. <laughs> <laughs> definitely sounds like he may have a case but I think that I would have saw it if he was in the mall condemning people while he had a shirt on there's people that's done that in Greenville when I was in college we used to have a guy that used to come on campus and he was call the girls like all unseemly names all in the name of God he would tell everybody (laughs) they was going to hell I think his name was like Brother Ross or something like that anybody listening from ECU remembers him we would walk through campus and he would be on the yard like preaching and he'd be telling us all that we were going to hell and stuff like that like if he was doing something like that I could see okay having this guy removed but uh, I don't think anything offensive with the shirt maybe the person that saw the shirt was part of the coexist movement mm-hmm. and felt some type of way and decided to alert somebody but again like people wear offensive stuff all the time i see a lot of offensive bumpers right. when i'm riding that goes against my political beliefs or i see a bunch of people wearing t-shirts in a free country you know so i didn't really necessarily see the big argument here or the big fuss but yeah to god be the glory 
want to talk about this sculpture of Martin Luther King Jr. in Boston. This embrace sculpture is very weird and does not represent the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is borderline disrespectful. How is a pair of disembodied arms in any way a fitting tribute to Dr. King and his wife? The embrace is a new sculpture in Boston. It is the hug that Dr. King and Coretta Scott King shared after Dr. King won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. Many on the internet including me are questioning if it is a great art and if the message is clear. I see it as borderline disrespect when I think the artist missed the mark. The sculpture is based on the 1964 picture created by Hank Willis Thomas. The sculpture of Dr. King himself and even him and his wife should have been the most appropriate but this ain't it. What do we think? Do you know what Hank Willis Thomas looked like? It's a black man who made this. So yeah, I don't like the sculpture at all. I'm just going to be blunt and honest. It don't represent to me nothing about Martin Luther King. I wouldn't even know it had anything to do with him until somebody had told me. I get the conceptual art, but let's not do Dr. King like that. It's already rough out here for Martin Luther King. So he's got the worst streets. He got the worst school system right now. Like it's really bad. Anything that's named after Martin Luther King has a bad name behind it and it's a problem and I don't like it. So this was a time to finally celebrate him in a way in Boston, which is one of the, I'm not going to lie, most historic, but also very racist, racist, very white, you know, to actually do something big. And we fumbled the back like it, it wasn't done correctly and if he went back and finished it you know put the faces on there that would be cute but right now it's giving very sexual and you can't look at it without thinking a whole lot of stuff any of you look at it it don't look like what he told us it's supposed to look like and i could see like if you made it a visual concept that showed like peace and love or something like that but it's not it's giving very lust and that's icky to me i was watching a tiktok and this girl was talking about like not to say that this is why the artist did it but she was talking about how she had a class on martin luther king and one of the first questions she asked was are we going to talk about his extramarital affairs and because that is something that a lot of historians do this is what and mind you it's on record because they were watching dr king very closely um to try to find things to make him not look as prominent as he is and not look like the person that he is and not show the values that he has and she had to step back and her teacher, who was this Korean man, who was the professor, kind of set her in line and be like, look, don't allow these people to create a narrative for your heroes and your culture. And he was just telling her, we don't talk about a lot of the faults of a lot of other people who have statues, other founding fathers and stuff like that. We don't dig into their past too much. Dr. King is always prominent of like, he was cheating on Coretta. And I think conceptually, that's what I'm getting from the sculpture. Like every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, he a cheat. But mind you, it is Coretta's hands. I don't know. It's not giving what it's supposed to give. And it was an opportunity that was missed and we need to fix it because it's going to frustrate me to walk through Boston to see that. I'm just saying. Yeah, no. So definitely saw it and I was very thrown off by the sculpture. It kind of gave, you know, we're going to put this here just so people won't say that we're racist or won't continue to say we're racist. What it was given. And I love conceptual art, but that won't it. But that was so many other things that you could have done to really embody who Martin Luther King was, but that just wasn't it. It looked sexual. I had to turn my head a couple of times to see what was going on there. Um and, and <laughs> not to investigate, like yeah. When they told me what it was, I was like, why do we have to see the picture in order to realize like what it was? I think yeah. that was just so many different things that you could have used, but not that. That won't it look like a graven image that you know they told us. 
even if it was in an art museum, I could see this in an art museum because, you know, a lot of art and stuff we leave for interpretation. Like I would have definitely appreciated it there. Right. But for that to be representative and you to unveil that on his birthday, it was a disservice. Yeah. And I don't think that this was the flex you guys thought it was going to be. And I saw a lot of people justifying it and trying to explain the piece, whatever. We shouldn't have to do that for a public piece that people have to see. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have, because there's a lot of Confederate statues that is clear who they are. It's not conceptual. It's not sexual. It's clear who these people are. So I think we should have definitely had that same energy for Martin Luther King. Like I said, we need to put some respect on Dr. King's name. He was about fighting poverty, but it just ends up looking poor and impoverished and it's just sad it really is so i hope they go back and fix that because i can't stand to see it and i don't care if it's a black man i don't care if it's a black artist i don't care what kind of opportunity he was given go back and fix it and i don't know who in his family or who he showed that to when they thought oh this is genius because that should have never been erected We need to go um, back and fix that. All right. This last announcement says, does the Bible teach that a Christian can be a practicing homosexual? Well, Dr. R.A. Vernon and the Word Church say yes. Practicing homosexuality. There's no such thing as an acceptable sin. How about the elephant in the sanctuary? Your sanctuary at your church any given Sunday. Does the Bible teach that a Christian can be a practicing homosexual? Well, Dr. R.A. Vernon and the Word Church say yes. While I was checking the video out, I also looked at the comments that were written beneath it i've noticed something that when we as christians comment on things about homosexuality there are many who will speak out about other sins as well why is that do we really think some sins are permitted by god while others are not i did see the video like a month or so ago but you have to probably see the video i guess to get some more context here but um we could just probably go on what we know right now so I'm not an informed listener so I apologize saints but okay so at first I thought you said the article was about whether you can be a homosexual and be Christian it is about that it asks could you does the bible teach that does the bible teach so okay so because this is different when you add the word practicing that changes stuff for me you know what I mean there's a lot of things that you can be as a Christian but you need to come out of you know what I'm saying yeah but practicing sounds like actually like this is what who I am and this is what I identify fire away and this is what i'm going to continue to do and so i think in that vein there are plenty of scriptures that would say no you can't and you know like um i don't understand why homosexuality is such a big deal in the church but i also feel like it does need to be addressed it's not okay just like any other sin it's not okay if i said i was a practicing drug addict like you know <laughs> like or like there's a lot of things i'm a press i'm a practicing prostitute but i'm still <laughs> like I'm and still yet, and I'm still saying, and yeah, I'm still saying, like it just—it's a contradiction, and it's not—it don't work that way. That's not how this goes. That's why I was saying, like, okay, can you have homosexual feelings and still be Christian? Yes, because I mean, look at Jackie Hill Perry. Look, there's so many other people who have struggled with that, and I think struggling with something and realizing something that you need to be saved from, or you might have to work through. All of us are dealing with that. But when you talk about practicing, that means I'm here. I'm queer and I'm bold with it and like that's it is what it is and accept me and I think in that vein then we're getting out of the scripture 
then we're taking homosexuality and making an exception to everything else. And I don't think it should be an exception. I don't think it should be broadcasted the way it is. You know, we talk about that a lot. I don't think it should be focused on the way it is, but I also don't think it should become an exception either. So that's where I stand. I saw the video and... In the video, he did go on to say that in his congregation, he has quite a few, I guess, practicing homosexuals, I guess, couples and stuff go there. And from what I thought he said in the video, I saw it like a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. He said that he does let them know what the Bible does say about it and that the Bible does call it sin. I agree with you, you know, wholeheartedly what you said. You can't practice sin you know and call yourself like we go back to the first article you know christian like you can't practice any kind of sin i don't care what it is i think that you know it's been a hot topic in church for a minute you know to go back to what you say it's one thing like if you're struggling like there's people that that struggle with things and they're sold out for christ but Mm -hmm. they have learned that the difference between you know going and practicing in it and then what a struggle may look like like you know struggle in the mind or thoughts or anything like that but for someone you know to say practice sing whatever i would say maybe we not go that far and say you know can you be practicing it and still be a christian and there's a lot of theologians that um he said it in his video that was a theologian i forget his name that references certain scriptures in the bible that says yes you can be a practicing homosexual and be a christian I, you know i've never hmm. specifically read that but you know scriptures? i would right but I would love but that you know but again like it goes back to I guess interpretation and what somebody has interpreted that text as but you can't practice sin in general and mm-hmm. you know be saved or be be a christian you just i mean you just can't and, and unfortunately a lot of people do it a lot of people practice it and do it and and then try to go and put on the whole armor of god you know and you mm-hmm. just doesn't fit so yeah that's my stance on it and i will say shout out to pastor r.a vernon for the video in addressing the elephant in the room he is a pastor of a mega church and so he was bold enough to say and like i said in the video he did say i'm not sure where the author got from out of that video could you be a christian because he never said that in the video he Mm. actually just said that he came in love and he was always open to conversations about it with homosexual people that he had in his congregation like he said and they love him he said they come to him all the time with questions and stuff about things and he's always open to conversations about that and i think that's so dope like that you you know are humble enough and you have a love for the people enough where people in that particular lifestyle feel comfortable enough to say hey pastor like I would love to have a conversation with pastor like you know this that and the third and he says not that we making anybody comfortable he was like but they just feel that connection with me right. and so he also went on to say that he's learning more you know about and learning to be open but the article is a little bit misleading according to what I listened to in that particular video so it's interesting he did say I realized like a lot of these people that sit under me that are homosexuals because they were molested or you know they were abused or they was turned out right here in church he said some of them have told me that so right it was just a very interesting viewpoint and I would encourage you to go watch the videos called elephant in the room dr r.a vernon is on youtube just to get a little bit more insight on his stance on how he addressed it and approached it I like that I'll definitely check it out at work we've been talking more and more about safe spaces versus brave spaces and we've been talking about diversity and inclusion basically there were people who were 
conveying to us that they don't think that we could ever have a safe space at the firm. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, you're going to have people who are openly against you, but you can have a brave space. And I think churches should cling to that narrative of not necessarily a safe space where people feel like, you know, they can leave and still be the same person, but a brave space that they can be who they are and find Christ through that. And I applaud if the pastor is preaching that type of message where it's less have a sit down and have a conversation. Let's work through this. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? In a different way. I applaud that because it can't just be like, you need to stop. Because if it was so simple of just stopping, we would, none of us would be doing sin. <laughs> so like right. it requires more, it requires digging deeper. It requires unveiling those traumas, or maybe it's not even a trauma that's connected to it. Maybe it's just a spirit. Like who knows? It could be a lot of different things that are attached to why we do the things that we do. And just digging deeper a little bit instead of just being like just stop right, <laughs> it's, right stop isn't good enough i'm sorry like and it's funny because we talk about new age parenting the concept of having open discussions and conversations where you feel free to discuss how you're feeling and work through those feelings is important freedom is key i think and like i said creating a brave space for saints to be who they are an effort to help them change is a positive space. So. I agree. And um, that concludes our church announcements. Amen. Our topic for this week is a letter from Paul. So late last year, there was a social media post that was going around and it said, if Paul saw the church in America, we begin a letter. And so we're just going to discuss very quickly what we think Paul would address in his letter to America. So Mike, I only want three issues. Let's just start with the first one. What is your biggest issue that you think Paul would address in a letter to America in 2023? Um, I think the first issue that we would need to address is lust. Okay. All right. Lust in the church. Yep. So let's break that down. Like why lust? <laughs> I definitely think that talking about lust, lust has driven a wedge in church, especially church leadership. It's caused a lot of scandal in church and not so much lust as it pertains to people that are lay people, just lust amongst people that are supposed to be in positions of leadership mm -hmm. and how this lust has caused abuse in church, how it has a cause scandal in church, how it has caused a lot of confusion in church because, you know, uh, uh, this bishop don't know how to keep his eyes just for his wife. And so we use this power that we have to get what we want and to to go through and ruin people's lives because then somebody ends up pregnant, right? And then we try to cover it up. We try to excommunicate that person to cover up these lies. Or, you know, there's a website. It's a abuse website for this particular church organization. Mm. On the website, one of the articles up there was about a young boy who was pretty much molested by a bishop to a point where the boy pretty much started to succumb to the abuse that he was receiving and ended up contracting HIV AIDS. So it's yeah, crazy. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you. I think lust trickles into every aspect of the modern day church. When we talk about clothing, a lot of it is guided to ensure that people are not lusting. But instead of dealing with the actual underlying issues, we just cover it up with this one. Or we keep rushing people into marriage because of lust and not because they actually love their spouse. And then what we end up having is saints in the divorce court 
which I mean, everybody has different interpretation of scripture, but I still hold true to the fact that one man, one husband, one wife should stay together forever. That is no divorce. When you've chosen a partner based off of what they look like or what you expect sex to feel like after you get married, instead of what kind of household you guys are trying to build and what they're trying to invest into your children and how they're trying to invest into you and can they invest into you? I think again, lust is overtaking everything else. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that lust is one of the biggest issues that we have in church. And like you said, homosexuality development in church, there's a lot of things, even in the black community, which a lot of us are going to church from the black community. We've experienced all kinds of lust demons from childhood and being exposed, either young black girls being seen as sexual items and like, oh, you hot in the tail because you do this or you walk like that. Why is like, you know what I mean? And putting those perceptions are young black men who can't talk about their experience as far as being molested by a uncle or a grandfather and stuff like that. And like, it's always around the sexual spirit and we always look at it as homosexuality but homosexuality is just the beginning it's just like lusciviousness that unbridled lust of always wanting something sexual you open your phone it's sex you turn on the television it's sex it's constantly around us and we're becoming immune to it and maybe not even immune to it but actually turned on all the time which is crazy but yeah i agree it's funny that you said all of that i think i was having a conversation with my parents last night and we were talking about this particular situation and i was telling them i was like i don't agree with i remember growing up in church they used to call the young women up if they got pregnant out of wedlock mm-hmm. to apologize to the church and even at a church i used to attend in college they did that that was seven or eight years ago pretty recent right, right. and so they called the girl up and the guy up because he had gotten her pregnant and when i think about like just everything going on around there was a lot of adultery going on that i found out of course later on like yeah. you know, i thought it was long gone but it was a lot of adultery going on a lot of fornicating i knew of some things that was going on but it was just filled with a lot of lust and so in this particular environment there was a lot of preaching against wearing certain things or no dating or no single two single male and female should be going to the movies together you know without somebody going with you or you know and i'm telling you this was things that was being talked about 2013 14 so we're talking about right. literally 10 years ago 19 right. years ago you know you shouldn't be going over to somebody's house sitting over there if you're the opposite sex so it was all of these conversations that were going on then on top of that you call someone out to the front to make them apologize to the church for getting pregnant out of wedlock and i told my parents i said i don't agree with that especially when you're a leader yourself and you struggle with lust yourself like you've been caught up in scandal before and you're still caught up in it now but you're going to call somebody else and i think but that's the kind of stuff that lust does you magnify the light on somebody else to keep it from being right a spotlight on you so that's why i I was just saying you know i agree yeah you should sit people down when they mess up and stuff just not to teach them a lesson but for restorative you know purposes but you know for you to embarrass somebody and ridicule them publicly for the same stuff that you do you just haven't gotten caught but this person got caught up out here they were young and stuff and to teach everybody else a lesson so they don't do it whatever they don't come down the same road or so nobody from your church is looked at as being wild and being pregnant you you know decide that you're going to just go ahead and call the person out so everybody else will be let this be a lesson learned if you do this the same thing is going to happen to you but that's the kind of stuff that lust does you know it's powerful and it makes 
makes people feel you know ever so powerful to ruin and embarrass people like that you know what I mean so yeah you raise a good point so I'm learning now that people who are speaking from an unsuccessful place are not always good at giving instruction when you need good instruction go to somebody who succeeded at it because they can tell you the best way to do it and not from a place of negativity and I think that because we have people who have struggled with lust for so long in the church we are learning unhealthy concepts there should be no reason why children of opposite sex can't hang out together they're not thinking about that like yeah you can start being fast in the tail and stuff like that but you automatically coming from your negative space coming from your lustful mind are like oh these kids around here having sex all over the place and it's just like everybody doesn't think like you you're coming from a perverted yeah you're coming from a perverted mindset already you're judging people based off what you do yep if that's the case now you're projecting this perverted mindset on kids and so they think oh as soon as somebody comes talk to me oh they want to have sex with me or they trying to get me blah blah and it's not the case i truly believe that and i think one thing that i appreciate about the white church and i will say this is that they have done a good job with figuring out how to get their young people together and then helping them through the dating process in a way that is smooth and they get to know each mm -hmm. other. When I was growing up, at, well, in some of the churches I've attended as well, they didn't want the men and the women talking to each other at all. And like, that's unhealthy. Like, okay, we have a church out and everybody goes out together. You want to date somebody in the church? Well, date them in the group. No, I'm saying that's what the white churches do. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, you have natural built-in chaperones by dating in the group. You get to know people and see what kind of person they are, whether they're marriage material by being in the group with everyone else you know what i mean and then you can branch off and we just don't do that oh you see a man and a woman talking to each other saying in a group oh y'all shouldn't be talking to each other like <laughs> sorry if we we read some church bylaws where it was kind of like mm, the woman should never speak to the men and the men you know it's just like coming from this unhealthy place and i think we're messing up a lot of the saints and a lot of the children, at least in the early 2000s and 90s, like when we were coming up, it was kind of throwing things off. Yeah. And I mean, you raise up a great point because again, I think people make these concepts and stuff based upon, and we can get back to, to Paul, but people make these concepts and stuff based upon things that, you know, they struggle with or what they would do in their situation. Right. And so I had never heard about the no dating thing until, you know, I got, I was well into college and I, you know, I'd be like, no dating. So how do you, how do you get to know somebody and marry them? But then also these same churches would try to arrange you with people to marry. But I remember being in situations where I was set up with a couple of people where I would, they were trying to set me up with a couple of people and I always ducked and dodged it because I was like, I'm not ready to get married yet. Like I was only like 22, 23 years old. Like I'm not ready to get married. I'm not ready in a place, you know, I didn't have my college degree yet. Mm -hmm. I was making seven, eight fifty an hour. Like, who, 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 what woman am I taking care of at that point? Like, who could I take care of making that kind of money per hour? And you know, I'm still, I don't even have a degree yet. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff that they would do. You know, like, yeah. you know, like try to set you up with Sister Ron. I'm gonna set you up with Brother Kel, Kel over here. Y'all, you go over there and talk to her. Or you you go over there and talk to him and stuff like that. And I'm like, breath no. Be all yeah, yeah, breath be all hot. And then next thing you know, they set y'all up. You married and stuff like that. But what it is, they trying to turn off the lust thing in, in Brother Kelly instead of teaching him and instead of right. mentoring or instead of mentoring you, the way that they try to cut lust out, the way they try to cut... What 
what they think people are out here being nasty and people out here having sex. They try to band-aid it with marriage. Y'all need to go and get married because you're getting hot. And no, you're the one getting hot. (laughs) 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 My pastor used to say that sex is only 2% of what a marriage is. So like, it's a lot more than that. And we are really committing ourselves to a person and you just, the only thing you're thinking about is sleeping with them. That's crazy. But also going back to what you're saying about calling people out. If we're going to call out the people who get caught, call out everybody. Call out the liars, people that say so discord, that gossip and stuff like and that. Call out, call out ministers and elders who's trying to chat with the young girls at church and trying to touch and hug for a long time and greeting with the Holy okay. Kids. <laughs> call out all that stuff. And I'm going to tell you this, like just recently, I know of this person, a minister. And you're fast. And when I say fast, you're hot in the pants. But you're married. You got kids. You hug up on these young girls. But um, we, you know, just you hugging up on them, and you see this one. God, you see her hips, and God knows, uh, uh, I would love to have you know all of these comments. But you are the first person to talk about what other people are doing. This same person came to me and for a long time kept asking me, "We got no kids out there, do you?" If that's your way of asking me, "Am I having sex?" just say that just come out and say brother mike are you having sex and why is that your business because why is that your business oh because you get something off of that that's disgusting yeah exactly but that's that's how people do (laughs) it's disgusting but anyway i'm harping off that yeah yeah but anyway yes paul second top issue that paul should address the identity of the church Ooh, i like that And, and just because when i speak of the identity of the church i'm talking about the church of jesus christ the church that has been chosen by Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that's going to be raptured, the church that the Lord is looking for. However, when I speak of the identity of the church, I'm speaking of, you know, the church body in general, the, the August body of people that assemble to these different assemblies, you know, throughout Christendom if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, and as I'm looking, I try to be careful about what I say because I know I'm very biased to the classic Pentecostal movement. Right. I still love the people looking like they're going to church. I still love that church sound. I don't necessarily, you know, all the kind of the isms and schisms we created throughout the years and things that we took from Paul's original letter that we made into these nuances of church. I'm not a fan of those, but just the sound the church had, the anointing the church had. And a lot of churches still have the anointing. I'm not taking that away. Mm -hmm. But just the way that church was and how I like for church to be, I try to be careful because I don't want to sound like I'm being biased. But when I say the identity of the church, I'm saying from a sense of we don't know. It's a lot of people trying to be like everybody else. You know, you got all of these buckets of churches trying to be like everybody else. We're following these formats and stuff of of what we see online and what Mm -hmm. we see, you know, the best churches doing on their live stream. So we try to, you know, model and pivot ourselves like that. And also, if we look from a spiritual eye, sometimes because of our actions and behaviors, we don't know who the church is from the world. And we've lost our identity, not only in a physical and natural sense, but we've lost our identity just in a spiritual sense as well, because 
because we've become so lax in the in the things of God, if that makes sense. Like we've become very lax. Like we mix very easily with those that are with church culture versus Jesus mm-hmm. culture. We got a lot of people that are in church, but we don't have people that's in Christ, you know? And a lot of times we mix very easily with that. So there's no kind of being called out of darkness anymore. Everybody is kind of in the darkness now. We just tend to come into the light when we come in church and we turn those lights on in our beautiful sanctuaries on Sundays. But there's not a lot of separation now into what you know, people of the name and people of the church look like. And then just church as in general, we're so busy trying to be like everybody else. You got these apostolic people over here trying to be like the non-denominational people over here. We got this group over here trying to be like T.D. Jakes over here. T.D. Jakes got his own ministry, his own successful ministry that he has. Mm-hmm. And T.D. Jakes has been giving that mandate by Christ to do what he's doing in Texas and it's working. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the blueprint that God has set out for you to do and for you to lead your church right. you know like mark moore is doing something unique in atlanta and that's what mark moore is doing but that doesn't necessarily mean there's some things that we can probably take that we can implement but everybody is trying to do these cookie cutter things with the church with their church now and there's no kind of difference between nothing do what works for your ministry you have to do what works for your people you don't know what the struggle looks like for pastor mark moore versus what it looks like for bishop td jakes versus what it looks like for this one that sits over here on the other side of the city right you do what works for what god has called you to do and find your true identity but everybody now i'm noticing there everybody got a one word church name the shift church you got you know the renewed church then you got transitioned you got all of these other things there's nothing wrong with it but it just seems to be that we following such trends in church what is going to be the next trend now we're going to probably go from well, the one word name church then we're going to go to 10 names next because we're going to see if we got a monkey see monkey do spirit and mm-hmm. it's to me it's getting a little bit tiring so yeah no I completely agree with you as far as identity I think the best thing about Paul is that like we talk about Corinthians and we talk about Timothy and we like all of these different books that he wrote were to different churches and letters to different churches with different needs and different issues and different challenges. And I think that is what you're raising here is that we're not addressing the things that are happening in our house. (laughs) We're not using the talent that, or using the talent in the way it should be in our house. You know, everybody can't be a Tasha Cobbs or a Miranda, but they can be, they can still lift their voice in a different way. You know what I mean? Or get there in a different way. And I, I agree with that as far as the identity. And Peter talks about, Peter says calling an election sure, not Paul. But still, I think when we talk about identity, our identity in Christ, Paul, Paul was not lax in telling people you need to sit down and be quiet Mm -hmm. when there was issues that was raised in the church that called for that and i think it would be nice to get some order as far as where people belong in the church what their callings are are people speaking out of turn apostle versus bishop prelate versus like you know we have all these terms now they're not necessarily scriptural maybe they're for the organization of the body that's fine but where do things fall and what are they supposed to do and should an evangelist still be a pastor because if we're talking about fivefold ministry does that mean all five folds is in you because I, I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't think like that because every, you know what, like, and you raise a good point because, you know, not every preacher is called to be a pastor. Some of your best pastors are not that great preachers. You know, like, you got some pastors out here that are great leaders. 
and I won't call their names out, but he, I'm, I'm thinking of some great leaders right now. Their preaching might not be, you know, to a level as as we know some greats, but their strength is leading the people, is, you know, and watching right. for their soul, where you got some people that can tear it down, shut it down, and had a folks jumping up and down, but they're not as great leaders. Sometimes, like, what the church right. has really, you know, sh- shifted and moved the lines, because sometimes we elevate people in these roles because they can move a crowd and stuff like that, but they're not past their material they're not leader material some people are evangelists some people belong in the field you know going out and 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 winning people to christ and going out and preaching and people getting saved and stuff like that but they don't necessarily have the uh attributes of being a leader because it's two different jobs you know it's, it's two completely different jobs yeah and i think honestly that's an issue in itself is that the greed of not just sticking with your own identity and wanting to be all things to everybody when that's not your calling, you know what I mean? And like, we need to understand what our calling is. There's some people that I know, like when we need a revival, we will call you. Mm-hmm. But as far as a pastor, you don't have a love for the people. You don't care right. about people. Right. And you shouldn't be a pastor if that's the case. And your church is going to die because of it. You know what I mean? And like, you know, we could have the body of Christ actually flourishing if we spread the love instead of trying to be greedy and do everything. Or it maybe it's just the structure of how things are are brought up you know what i mean we feel like if you become an elder a natural progression or promotion and my thing is at the end of the day promotion is not a concept that is of god at all god could give you one task like he told cornelius to go see peter and peter was going to meet cornelius and that was the only task and the whole point was for them to get the holy ghost and that was it you know what i mean we don't hear about that man ever again Mm-mm. and i'm right. sure he went and spread the gospel somewhere but we like you know we don't hear about it and like everybody has to just stick to the role and we could function as a body that's what paul was talking about when he talks about corinthians about like if the ear is not doing his job or if the ear wants to be the toe you know what i mean then we're messing everything up and i think just getting that back in line know what your identity is yes you are called but are you sure that that is what you're supposed to do that calling is, is that sure you know what i mean because if we have people we talk about this a lot with specializing versus generalists if we have more people who were specialists we could get deeper everybody can't go to just a general doctor sometimes you need to go to a special foot doctor you need to go to an orthodontist somebody who has studied and studied well in this one area and i feel like as far as the body of christ we kind of lack the specialists and how much deeper would we be if we had the specialists you were absolutely right all right my last one what's your last issue and you just kind of mentioned it but i'm gonna go with titles hmm. and it's just it's a no-brainer here it's not anything deep it's not anything but some of these these titles that we that people have in church now are just I get it, but I but I don't get it. I understand, you know, if you are minister, elder, bishop, the apostle, which there's some people that believe that there's no modern day apostles, which is another subject for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then we start getting into district elder. We start getting into suffragan bishop. <laughs> we start <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know. Um, which I know, I know what it means, but it's just like we get into so many titles, and I don't have an issue with that because Mm -hmm. I I recognize some organizations use those to differentiate certain you know things. But I think with the district elder, you can oversee a few churches, and a suffragan bishop is a step up before you take on the full bishop role, like a junior bishop. But here's where it gets a little bit fuzzy for me. We got people that have titles like ambassador. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Who's the um, people who carry like the pastors? Um, the chief adjutant. Chief adjutant. <laughs> I'm sorry. Armor bearer. Uh, armor bearer. Ain't nobody bearing no armor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and again, like, I'm not knocking these titles, but let's just, can we write a letter about, you know, maybe just putting out, like, what these titles mean? Like, I don't have a problem with it if I just knew what they meant. I don't know what an ambassador does. You know, we got superintendents. Like, what do the superintendents do? Is it like a school? <laughs> you know, because there's some people that use it. I don't have a problem with it. I would just like to know, you know, maybe we outline it in this letter, like, what did the, what the superintendent's going to do, what the supervisor's going to do, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, we just got, it's just so much chief apostle, and then you got bishop elect, and then you have, you know. When the uh, bishop going to stop being elect? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Archbishop, we got eldress. Eldress. Mm-hmm. Prophet, prophetess, you know, and, and I don't, now those are biblical. Prophet is biblical, so yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I ain't messing with that. that. <laughs> but you know, it's just like, woo, this just be so many, so many titles. Can we streamline some of these titles, whatever? Like, you know, it's just, I've seen, you know, people recently, rabbi, and oh, yeah. You know, I just want to know what these titles mean, folks. Like, I want a letter. Maybe we get a letter about what title or what. I want a spelling bee. If you can't spell what your title you is, can't spell with it. you can say it, but if you can't spell it, then you need to give it up. Elite First Lady. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video the other day and this first lady, she stood up and was like, yeah, if you are a first lady or a second lady or a third lady or a fourth lady, I saw that. she said, because you know, I'm a second lady. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> it's a lot going on. Oh, I don't like it here at all. Uh, my last one is about as far as faith. I just feel like we don't believe God for real. We don't believe in miracles. We don't believe that he will actually do things. We will try to do as much as we can, especially in America. It's all about picking yourself up from your bootstraps and doing as much as you can. And like, I have everything in my hand and that's great. But because of those things, we lack faith. Something happens or we want something to happen and it's immediately like, well, let me make it happen. And it's kind of like we keep forcing things because that's the society that we're in where it's like, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done instead of just believing. And I think that's my biggest thing is do we really trust God is something that as far as Paul would write to America, y'all are quick to tout, I prayed and blah, blah, blah. But what was your prayer actually like? Was your prayer like, Lord, do it? Or Lord, is this what I should do? And then you just went on ahead and did it. Because <laughs> like, that's the way I used to live my life. Like, it's my will. And if God wants my will to be done, it's going to be accomplished. Because that's what I wanted. And I don't know if that's necessarily acknowledging him or necessarily having faith that he'll do it. It's just me kind of doing myself in my own power. And just being like, well, if God didn't want it to happen, he'll stop it. And then if it works out, it's great. But again, it's kind of feel like you start giving yourself the glory or if it don't work out, it's like, well, God didn't want this for me. And that might not even have been the case. He might not have wanted it for you right now, or he might not have wanted it that way. And the way you went about it wasn't the right way. So I think 
he would address our faith because we really don't have none. It's always push, 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 work, work, work. And we don't believe enough. No, that's true. And I think even for me, because I sometimes struggle with my faith, even something I'm going through right now, you know, you know, I'm struggling with having faith and I'm like, Lord, I'm about to make a faith move. I'm about to, you know, trust you. But and I'm like saying the back of my mind, like, this is what I'll do. And I'll be transparent. Like, I'm not in regard to something that's very time sensitive. And I feel like my back is against the wall. I feel like my hands are tied. Like, I'll start to put God in this box like mm -hmm. you know Lord I need you to work this out by next week because X Y and Z and then when it doesn't come through here I am like well Lord you know I don't know I'm scared to trust you now because this hasn't worked out yet and I feel like I'm out here alone and I just start being real toxic with God you know like mm -hmm. I love you but whew, you know you kind of leaving me out here by myself giving you know giving, <laughs> giving very much so Gideon and so for me like with faith and stuff like that like I said I'm learning and sometimes the Lord will take you through things to build your faith because you have to have faith the size of a mustard seed and so if we can't even have faith that small whatever what are we really doing and we're supposed to have God on the inside of us like mm -hmm. we're supposed to be Holy Ghost filled people but we don't even trust God enough we put not trust in other people right one up here putting our trust in what people said they were going to do or what people said they were going to call us back or what people said but right. the God that has literally gives you breath every morning the God that has literally made a way for you for the last 31 years of your life as soon as one simple thing doesn't go right that he might be shielding you from that you're too blinded by your own agenda to see we immediately start blaming God with God like then what did I do wrong now well God like, are you punishing me I mean what's up like you know I don't, I don't understand this one. you got me in a tight place like what do i do now we start giving god all these ultimatums and stuff when really all we need to do is just sit back and trust god and trust the process and right. trust the god that's in us and i think faith i mean i know if he wrote the letter on faith it will be addressing me we have my name beside it because you know that's somewhere where i, I struggle with sometimes it's like lord like this thing moved like I, I told you i wanted this by thursday i don't have an answer yet mm -hmm. i told you by monday like i needed this to be done and i'm like wait a minute who am i to put time constraints on god, god when god when has and tell god when to show up <laughs> and like you know like tell god what he gonna do and stuff like that like who who am i, I when i have the things he's asked me to do and not to do i've gone against him he's still been merciful and he's still been gracious enough to give me another chance to correct those things so i love the fact that like that's so american of us to like <laughs> Be like, this is your appointment guide and you need to show up during this appointment time because if you're not here at this window, then you're going to miss it. Like, <laughs> he's like, no, you're going to miss me. <laughs> and as, even with faith, a lot of the things that we suffer with because, you know, our suffering is a lot different than other people in other countries. A lot of us don't have to worry about food and water and shelter and stuff like that. We don't have to worry about the basics, but we still have very high levels of anxiety. Why? Because we don't believe. I'm always scared. I'm always nervous because I don't fully believe that what I asked for, what I prayed to God will happen, will happen. And like, because of that, I'm nervous all the time. I'm always anxious. I'm always thinking, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? What else do I got to do? What else is on my to-do list? Because you don't believe God is going to do your to-do list. Or you suffer, like you said, from disappointment. Disappointment can turn into hopelessness because it feels like God is telling me no, but God ain't said nothing to you. 
or maybe you didn't even ask them because that's my right. problem is sometimes I don't even acknowledge like my acknowledgement is God um this is what I want and I hope <laughs> right and I pray, exactly. like, it's not it's exactly. like God what do you want for me it's a whole simple issue with that and um this is just my last point and we'll just wrap up here I guess my my favorite part about this, the post about if Paul saw the church in America, what letter we would be getting is the fact that like, why are we considering Paul's letters necessary anyway? And I think when we start talking about these things that the church is struggling with, right, with faith, lust, identity, Paul's letters, a lot of times, the reason why it was so specific and nitpicky, and, and we use it now to govern how we handle our um, churches, is because he was resetting the house, resetting the saints. You guys have gone astray. I see, I'm aware of this is what's happening in the church and I need to reset. You're getting away from what God had taught us. You're getting away from the principles reset. And like, even for myself, I had to go through my own personal spiritual reset more recently. And I'll just be a little bit transparent. Like there was a day on a regular, like Tuesday, <laughs> I left work and I was like, I could just walk into traffic right now. I really hate it. And nothing bad was happening. It was, everything was fine. Like it wasn't a horrible day at work. It wasn't anything, but I just felt so, I don't know. And just the spirit of just, just ended because you're not happy. And constantly getting calls from people. I wasn't alone. I was probably more social than I've ever been. Smiling in people's face. People telling me oh you're so pretty you're that like you know constantly getting reassurance from a whole lot of different things but in my mind I was just like I do not want to be here and this ain't it and I'm not that type of person but you know those type of feelings hit all of us and I think it took me shutting down and I told my family members and the people that I'm close to look I will not be answering the phone like <laughs> don't call me don't text me I need to get by myself for a minute I need to reset and I got into the word and I started praying I took time for myself to just refocus it was a lot going on that I didn't even realize was going on I had to process some things sometimes you need to sit in a room by yourself in the dark and just cry a little bit and figure it out you know what I mean those moments my pastor talks about this a lot about being in solitude gives God an opportunity to come talk to you and and we tend to have so much stuff going on all the time. We always have a schedule. We always have an appointment. We don't give ourselves breaks. And those breaks are those times where God can talk to us. So what I appreciate about Paul and his letters is that he allows for and calls for a spiritual reset. And this is a new year. You have the opportunity to spiritually reset yourself. Even if like you've gotten away from formal principles, you've gotten away from your identity, you're trapped in lust. <laughs> You can reset. So, yeah. Sometimes a reset is is necessary. Um, mm. But to go back to your question, you know, it's sad that we think, I'm going to come from a little bit of a different perspective. It's sad that we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we're getting closer to, you know, the rapture taking place. And we feel that things are going so haywire in church that we need another letter from Paul. Right. You would think that we would have a lot of these things sealed. You would think that by now, you know, a lot of things would be in line. We will be getting ourselves together as we see the day approaching. But unfortunately, things are going so haywire. And I think that this is a great opportunity for the church to return back to the basics, which is prayer fasting, 
souls, mm-hmm. things of that nature. We've gotten so caught up in church branding, which I think church branding is great. You need to be able to brand yourself because we live in a social media age, right? But we've gotten caught up to it's replaced the pinnacle of what the church is there for. And God's number one commodity is souls. Mm-hmm. And so we've gotten away so much from that that we feel like we need this letter from Paul to set things back in order. We've gotten so caught up in pomp and circumstance in church. We've gotten so caught up in protocol. I've never seen so many discussions on Facebook about what's proper clergy attire or mm-hmm. what's proper, you know, protocol for when you are an adjutant. Those things are important, yes, but is somebody going to get saved behind it? You know, things of that nature. Why are we so caught up on it? Why is it so important? We're caught up on discussions about does bishop go in front of doctor? Does doctor go in front of bishop? You know, oh it's just, it's, and these are coming from pastors, sadly. This is not coming from just lay people. I could respect it more if it was coming from lay people. These are coming from pastors. Mm-hmm. Having these conversations, whatever. And I was like, it's too much. In the last few months of, of 2023, we had, I don't know how many people commit suicide. Right. We had so many people, you know, dying. A lot of people depressed out here. Even I, I can open my Facebook right now and see where somebody is on my Facebook saying, you know what? I'm just going through it. I'm sad. Like yeah. I've had a couple people on my Facebook saying tonight might be the night. You know, like it's just one of these things. We're so, but we we're so caught up in who's going to wear the bishop ring, who's going to wear the cassock who's gonna you know, carry the pastor's bags you know when is it in order for for me to wear black shoes with my clergy cop like we're so caught up in that that we're missing out on an important time which is harvest right now we're in a very important space where we should be heading towards an end time revival you know right. we should be ha- having revival revival should be breaking out in our churches like none other where it should be just a revival breaking out where people should be being filled with the holy ghost and going down in jesus name and, and being put to work so we can exponentially grow the kingdom Mm. not us having to stop and 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 get paul to write us another letter because we out of control around here and that raised another good point like even us sitting here right because we always have to look inwardly like we know the issues that our church has so why do we need somebody to tell us about them let's just fix it we love being rebuked and we love to say you all get heavy doc when somebody is on the pulpit almost cutting cussing us out or telling us off and you're like yeah we need to hear that or yeah tell them bishop and it's like you want to be rebuked so bad but you don't want to be changed and why are we like that why do we want somebody to give us critical (laughs) it's because we're you know we don't have prayer life we don't have a prayer life anymore we don't have a relationship with God anymore. The basis of a lot of people's relationship with Christ is when they go to church on Sundays and sit down to hear the word. And after that is back to business as usual with a lot of people. Mm. I had a family member tell me one time, they was just like, yeah, I don't know if I go to your church because your, your pastor don't preach enough against sin. What? <laughs> <laughs> Are you still in it to require that? Yeah, like, I mean, are you, you like, what are you, because I don't want to hear, you know, stop drinking and stuff every sun like i don't want to hear it because i'm not i'm not drinking i'm not smoking you know like you know every now yes people we still got to preach against sin whatever but at the same time like we can't keep in this i don't i don't want to hear about a long skirt every sunday i don't want to hear about (laughs) oh take my earrings out like i just don't want to hear that every sunday oh yeah your pastor he i don't know he just don't preach against sin enough for me but i was like and I've heard people say that it was like, well, you, you know, slap me around, you know, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you like abuse? <laughs> you like abuse? Like, what is the Holy Ghost in you 
what, what are you allowing the Holy Ghost in you to do? Well, that's the question. You're supposed to have the Holy Ghost. We shouldn't have to get up there every Sunday and say, Ron, you know, uh, quit getting drunk every weekend. Ron, get up, get out that bed with that man. Like the Holy Ghost in you should be working in you enough to say, you know what? I need to correct this behavior because I'm supposed to be a child of God. Right. You got to preach that every Sunday to your congregation. You need to be having a tarrying service, not, not another conference. You don't need to be having another anniversary, another gala. Another you musical. need to be having another musical. You need to be having tarrying service if it's that bad in there that you got to preach like that every Sunday. Right. Delivering. My thing is what's being preached of your pulpit should be relevant. Exactly. And if that's relevant to you, then that's a problem. Like you can't be, you shouldn't be saved 10, 20 years and still dealing with the same thing. Mind you, like yeah. I said, for sinners, Sunday is for sinners. That's very true. But at the end of the day, we know we see the same people in our congregation. We barely get visitors. So, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so let's be honest. Why are we still here listening to this? Who's still dealing with this? What has God revealed? I wonder why some of these ministries, there's a certain ministry that's like growing rapidly, right? Right. And so I know I've seen like a mass exodus there, but this man don't do nothing but sit up there and like throw off on stuff and chew you out, chew you up and spit you Mm -hmm. out. Nah, that's not spiritually healthy for you to take that type of abuse because then when you, you get to a certain point, you take a step back you realize how beat up you are. Then you got to go to another church for something, for them to restore you. We got to work with you at the altar for two hours. We want to go home. We want to go to the buffet too. We got to stand at the altar to restore you back because you went over there to that ministry. They beat on you so much and now we got to fix your wounds. No, get spiritual. Stop being so carnal. You wouldn't have to have a desire to keep going up to those type of ministries for them to, you know, choke you and body slam you to get right. You know what I mean? So like I'm all for having guardrails, but some of y'all been being put in cages because you feel like (laughs) you don't know how to act. It's not necessary. God. God, ain't, God is about freedom. He's not trying to have you. I mean, we are prisoners to Christ, but my goodness. <laughs> but this was a good combo, Mike. All right. We've been <laughs> on here long enough. Saints, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, music ministry. Praise the Lord. I just got a special request for the music ministry. I'm going to ask Sister Ron to give us a solo. It says, my faith looks up to thee. It's a hymn. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, I'll be like, uh, actually, I gotta sit down on this one. What's the wrong? What have you been listening to this week? So, Anthony Junebug Turner. Oh my God. Why was I? <laughs> was that on your list? <laughs> he came out with a new album called The Pentecostal. Do you know the full name of the album? Called The Pentecostal Congregational. Yes. It's a very old school, nice congregational song. The one I'll highlight is It's Gonna Be All Right. I enjoyed that. I had my nieces and nephews, like I said, in the car with me this weekend. And I was going in and they was like, Auntie, can you turn your music down? <laughs> I'm trying to play on my tablet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's going to be all right. Anthony Junebug Turner.
so it's gonna be all right and another song from this week Vincent Bohannon came out with a Christmas album this this is our first episode back I'm gonna make sure I highlight this song because I enjoyed it (laughs) even though it's from a Christmas album it's called He's the Greatest and I've been waiting for Vincent Bohannon to come out with his new album I know he saw he has a project with the Howard University Choir in DC coming soon. Oh, okay. I know they've been doing a project. I know he's on his concert okay. this weekend in DC, but it might be he might be record. I think he is recording there this weekend. You're right. He is recording there. But he's the greatest. The greatest. Come on, Love songs that have that little the choir songs that have the little swag to it. He's mm-hmm. the greatest. He is the greatest. Yes, I love that little like nice little swag that you can get with the choir. Sound. You march in on that, you know, Christmas Sunday, marching in. Yeah, stand on that. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> I see the vision. Speaking of Anthony Junebug Turner, I just want to just shout him out. I'm pulling up this TikTok clip that Sister Ron sent me this is our clip of the week it's depression vomit yourself out now in the name of jesus gotta have this ship gotta have this ship gotta have this ship gotta have this ship gotta hit this ship gotta have this ship gotta have this ship gotta hit this ship gotta that's a good way you demons of mind control mind blockage depression vomit yourself out now in the name of jesus that was our clip of the week it seems that sister helmet of salvation has lost her mind and lost her (laughs) husband Stop! <laughs> my <laughs> gotta hop this ship. Gotta hop this. <laughs> she was telling y'all she gotta hop this ship. She gotta hop this ship. <laughs> she was trying to let y'all know she had to get out of there. She had to hop out of there. Whatever was going on, whatever was happening in there, she said she had to get out of there. Okay. Well, we gotta hop the ship too. <laughs> <laughs> but any closing remarks per request? praise reports i have a closing remarks and i have prayer requests so just want to say you know rest in peace to kevin lemons who did a lot for the gospel music industry Mm -hmm. i mean just a true choir master there's a lot um i i really in you know really adored his gift and what he brought to the choir scene things that made his choirs just i mean truly gifted and give mm-hmm. has given us a lot of just great music so definitely praying for his wife family his choirs this is a tough loss for us all yeah with that said just a couple of things i want to address one i can't say this enough and I'm not here to tell people what to do, police people, but please, you know, ma'am, please, sir, please be respectful when people of people's family, when they pass. And what I mean by that is why are we so gun ho on like running to Facebook to be the first to post a death announcement is weird. Mm. 
you know, same thing happened when, you know, Mother Louise Patterson died, Bishop David Maxwell died. Everybody was in this great rush to like be the first to post on Facebook. You know, you guys come with the broken heart emojis and then, oh my God. And then some of you all, when, when Kevin Lemons died, put like lemons on your status, whatever, and was putting quotes of the song up there. And to the point where his wife had to ask, like, and some people were just straight up posting like, oh, he died. And his wife had to get on Facebook and was simply like, you know what? Like, please, please, like, don't post anything until the family knows what's going on mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And some of you all's argument was, well, he was a public figure. So, you know, this is justified and all of this other stuff. And, you know, like, this is what happens. Like, I don't don't think nothing wrong there that's it's not illegal to post somebody's death prematurely but let's just be mindful of the family y'all want to be tmz so bad y'all want to be tmz so bad and <laughs> it's, it's weird it's very weird and my thing is let's just say the family didn't know and this has happened for real like this happened to someone i know here in greenville this girl and i know her father was a pastor here in the city he was well known like in the mm-hmm. city he's well known in in church organization and they found out from Facebook that their father died. So they had to pull over on the side of the road Wow! because people prematurely posted it on Facebook mm. that such and such died and stuff like that. So they had to pull over, ask people, could they not post until they found out what was going on? Mm. And I don't think people don't understand that those things go into somebody could be driving. Imagine you driving and you found out a, fam- a close family member dies. And it caused you to get in an accident or something like that. Like, you know, you just got to think about stuff like that and be mindful of people's feelings. You know, it's one thing like actors and stuff die, whatever, like those, that's different. But this man was in close proximity enough where we could have at least listened to what his wife, the heart of his wife to say, no, like, let's not post until we, you know, make an official announcement. With that being said, I had a chance to watch clips of the funeral. Still have not watched it all, but very beautiful service. Let me just say, first off, like very beautiful, the choir sound sounded good they looked good his wife looked good it just so many beautiful things said about this young man it was just crazy to me that his wife had to get up there mm-hmm. and say that people were calling her while she was grieving asking for special seating at the funeral mm-hmm. That's just, and, and she talked about how they just sat at the funeral, didn't clap. She's like, y'all got your seats now. You know, you didn't clap. You didn't move on the funeral, whatever. You just sat there and spectated. But just, that's just wild to me. Like, imagine grieving over the loss of your spouse and someone calling like, hey, yeah, I know you're grieving. I know you're crying. Sorry to hear, but can you make sure I have a special seat when mm, I get there? That's a mess. That's a mess. Like, I just don't understand people these days. Like, we make funerals about us, you know? And I just think that's so selfish. As much as I love, and I'm not here to get into proper protocol for funerals. Like, that's not my job here. As much as I love dressing and stuff as as the next person, I'm not taking a funeral as my opportunity to, you know, put on something, you know, flashy so people can see what I have on. I'm just not doing that. I'm here to pay respects to the person that's there, whose funeral we're there for and to celebrate their life. And I'm also there to support the family. Mm -hmm. 
But y'all find a way to make it about yourselves. Y'all find a way to insert your, you know, ego inside of it. You insert a way so people can see, so you can be seen. That's not what you're there. You're not there to be seen. And I just hate that it's like that because to me it's disturbing, it's selfish, and it's just, it's just plain old weird. And I just, you know, if something happens to me, like, honestly, I told my mom and dad, just have a 30-minute memorial for me, okay? Like, my, one of my best friends from college whose mother passed, they had the most beautiful memorial service for her. They just, mm. we came together, we just, you know, really just spoke of memories of her, just gave, you know, our, our memories, and we talked about how we loved her, we loved her sweet potato the pie we just talked about all that stuff just do that for me when i live because i just don't want to imagine that people i don't talk to on a regular taking my life as an opportunity to be seen and stuff like that when you didn't really rock with me in real life so i'm gonna just leave it there as far as my prayer request guys i'm really having to make some life-changing decisions in the next couple of days so probably by the time you hear this i would have made that decision but just please you know pray that the lord anoints my decision making skills and that all will be well in jesus name i'm gonna turn it back over to ron amen i'm touching and agreeing on that prayer and um also there was a clip that came out and maybe somebody was just posting all of the bad things that happened at that funeral which is also annoying but someone had parked behind the hearse and they had to ask them to move their car like saints like just decent courtesy and respect like why are we interrupting somebody's funeral to say can you move because you're in front of the hearse like double park like (sighs) it's a mess and y'all want to act like y'all so close to the person who passed away, you you will never trump their family members. Never. Never. People are disgusting. You will okay? <laughs> never be closer to them than their wife. You won't. Like, it's just insane. It's insane. Um, Let's just keep everybody in prayer. And let's just stay mindful about the spiritual reset. Hopefully we take some time to evaluate. And let's pray for Brother Mike. Um, that God will lead and them, guide them. Man, we'll just close out. May the Lord watch. May the Lord watch. Between me and thee. Between me and thee. While we're absent. While we're absent. One from another. One from another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen again. Love somebody else. My life was church and all it. I'm a pew baby.